All right, let's go to our supper today. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Go to Titus 2, 11 and 12. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Give you a little moment to pull that page apart. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. When you get this, say amen. amen. All right, just two verses. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You may be seated. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you now for giving us the Holy Spirit. Now we ask you to lead us and guide us. We ask that you would teach us. You would help us. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We thank you for the spirit of grace, truth. We give you the praise and all the glory. Thank you for the spirit of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and the church said amen. All right, now what we want to do today is uh, we want to uh, move by the Holy Spirit. I know as we look at our screen, we can see that the, we can, thank you very much. Uh, in the book of Titus, we gave that because it told us that the grace of God teaches us, teaches us. We, and that's the mode that we're in today. We see that mode today. Now what we want to do today is uh, we're going to conclude on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to name the teacher of the day the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to show you in the Word of God, and we're going to compare the New Testament to the Old Testament. If that is our plan. So we're going to show you in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we're going to go back and just going to brief up a little bit. We showed you, first of all, in the book of Ephesians, and we showed you what the book of Ephesians was all about. In the book of Ephesians, we said this to you, that chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 told you what God did. Say that with me. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, Ephesians is about what God has done for us. Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 is what God wants us to do for him. All right, those two things that you need to put down, I hope we can have them on our tape, that first of all, chapter 1, 2, 3 is about what God had done for us, and chapter number 4, 5, 6 is what God wants us to do for him. Now, we told you already what God wants us to do for him, and, and we're going to show it to you in the Word of God, but we're going to take it a different angle today. First of all, if you don't know what God wants you to do for him, We'll give you that one verse, Ephesians 4, 1, to satisfy your curiosity. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. What God wants us to do for him is to live for him. And that's why you got the new covenant. The new covenant is going to teach you how to live for the Lord. I, I just worked with my son. on. He showed that on... Spotify or podcast, whichever one he showed it on Spotify or podcast. But anyway, one of the things he asked me about was because my wife and I celebrated our 50th anniversary, he wanted to ask us some questions about marriage and some questions about dating and things like that. So we work with our son concerning that. Amen. 
so what I want to do today is, uh, is to get into some things because the, the thing about all these things are good, but if you don't know how to live, it's not going to work. A guy asked me the other day, he says, I want to talk to you about something. And I says, what is that? He says, uh, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah. He says, I got some questions. And so my whole thing was to him is, this is how the word of God comes out. God blesses you first in the new covenant. He does everything for you. And then what he wants you to do in the new covenant is live for him. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, this is what, how Paul starts it off. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. So God already says, okay, I've done everything for you. All I need you to do is to live right. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. I've already called you. I've chosen you. We went over these things. Uh, if, if you want to place some of those on the screen, you can. Ephesians chapter 1 told us that what God had done. First of all, he's already blessed us. He's already chosen us. He's already saved us. He's already called us, predestinated us. He's already made us accepted in Christ. We, he, we already have redemption. We have forgiveness for sins through his blood. We already have an inheritance. He's already sealed us. And then he gave us the word of truth we talked about last week. He gave us the word of truth, and also he gave us the Holy Spirit. So you look at what God has done, and that's not all. That's just in one chapter, chapter 1 and 2 uh, from the book of Ephesians. And all God asks from us is to live for him. All right? Walk worthy of the vocation. That word always called walk. I'm going to give you some of those today. Uh, but I want, to, I want to show you uh, that it was no different with Israel. The same spiritual principle was the same thing that God had done with Israel. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, let me give you another one. That's verse 17 and 18 uh, that goes with verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Go with verse number 1. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that henceforth you walk. Again, he used the word walk. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. See, we're going to get into that when we deal with the, the saving of the soul. Walk not as other Gentile walk. They walk in the vanity of their mind. Otherwise, they don't have anything in their mind. That's how, and they are going by what they got in their minds. It's pretty good. Then he said, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. And so that's what God's word is telling you. They, they, they blinded. Their hearts are blinded. They don't have no knowledge in their hearts. And they are, that's what they're going by. But that's not what you're supposed to be going by. You're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, so what I want to do today is I want to uh, go into the, show you some things in the Old Covenant because today I'm going to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let's compare, before we get there, what Moses told Israel. So let's go back and look at Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20. What did Moses tell Israel? Now, why did Moses tell Israel this? First of all, they were getting ready to go into the promised land. You already have entered into the grace of God. Israel at that time was about to go into the grace of God. Matter of fact, it was offered them. So in Exodus chapter 23, now, now Moses is going to begin to tell them about 
the angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, uh, the word angel of the Lord is the same as the Holy Spirit or Spirit of the Lord. So here it is, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that take them in and use Joshua to divide the inheritance. In the New Covenant, he's going to use Paul to divide the inheritance. So we're going to see the comparison. But he's always going to talk to them as they go in. Moses is going to tell Israel everything that God had done before they entered the promised land. And then they're going to, then they're going to go into the promised land and they're not going to believe anything. So this is why God gave us the word of God today. This is why what happened. That's why out of all this, it came the term Ephesians 4.30 we've been talking about. We taught on the sixth tape, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what God's whole thing is. See, we have a way, and God got a way. See, Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way. We'll read that, but we still want our way. And it can't be your way in the church. See, we want to come, we get ready, go, we get ready, do what we want to do. But then we don't want the Lord to say nothing. That's not how it works. Let me give you this. In the old covenant, the reason why we stopped doing the thing on the, the word tithe, because under the word tithe, if they didn't pay their tithe, remember the word was pay. So that's why we had to not do it in the new covenant because you're not paying your bills. You're not paying God. You give according as God has blessed you. But you have to understand, you give it not grudgingly, nor necessity, God love a cheerful giver. And now, but listen, listen how they did. If they was not at church, uh, John, if some reason why they couldn't get there that Sabbath day, that Saturday, they had to bring that next Saturday with what they had that Saturday before. See, see, the way people do today, they don't come and trade this Sunday. God don't get that. God don't see that. See, that's why it's nowhere in the world you can pay tithe. Because right off the bat, you just messed it up. You know, if you laid up your offering for the Lord last week, why did you spend it before the next week? See, so that's, that's how you, why I keep saying all that stuff. See, that's. But my wife and I, this is how we do. Whatever we have for the Lord, nobody, we don't touch that. Whether I go to church this Sunday or not, and we know we're going to be here every Sunday, but whether we do or not, that's the Lord's money. That's how we do now as a cheerful giver. And so the way you do things is how God looking at it. He's looking at your way and his way. So the whole thing with God is, and I talked to a young man up in Saginaw with one of my sons in ministry. And that's, that's the kind of things I talk to pastors about, ministers about at churches. Is what God looks at is, is he first? I know we say that all the time, but we put God first. I mean, if you really put God first, a lot of people don't even know, have an idea what it means to put God first. And when, it, when God talking about putting first, he's talking about even in your thinking. He's talking about in everything you say and do. And so even our reaction, that's why you, I said to my wife, I have to be here for Sunday. I don't want anything to interfere with that because I have a responsibility to the Lord. He got a responsibility to me. I got a responsibility to him. We are in a covenant. 
I don't know that you understand that. Just like my wife and I, we are in a covenant. We have responsibility to each other. And so that's how it is in a covenant. And so that's why I want her to do her part, but I don't want to do my part. See, when you're in a covenant, both got to do their part. Okay? If, you're going to, if the covenant is going to work. Okay. Now, I want to show you in Israel. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 23. And we're going to look at verse 20 through verse number 25. Because we're going to show you the, the ministry of the angel. God had an angel to be with him. He, he says, behold, I sent an angel. That word is a capital A, all right, which is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send an angel before you. Now watch what this angel is going to do for them. He's going to keep you in the way. He's going to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So his, the angel's job is to keep Israel while they're in the wilderness. And his, his job also is, because see, they don't have any stores. They don't have nowhere they can shop. They are vulnerable to the, the weather. So they don't have, everybody didn't come out with umbrellas. I mean, they, they, they were vulnerable to the heat, the sun. And so they were vulnerable to the rain, the cold. So when God talked about, I sent my angel before, he's going to keep you. So you have to understand, to keep you, he was going to keep you from every situation that you encounter. Not only that, he's going to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You got to look at it like now. You say, okay, I have received the Holy Spirit. Well, if you have, now you're God's son. All right? Now you got to beware of him. Then he says, obey his voice. So you have to understand, you are not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price. So he's going to say to you, obey his voice. Well, to obey his voice, you're going to have to know his voice. And most people go to church, they don't know his voice. Or they don't obey his voice. Like I said before, I go to bed at pretty, like pretty much 6 o'clock on Saturdays or earlier. But I do that because I'm committed to you and to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to study. That's my job. I study if I don't have a funeral to go to, and uh, which we did have a couple this week, but we still got in here and got some study. Even though we have a funeral, I'm still back here until dark on a Saturday afternoon because I got to get my time in with the Lord. So, but my point is this, I do that not just to say I'm smart, but I want to make sure that he have a chance to speak into my life. And I got a chance to get stuff out of me. So I get before the Lord. And then before you get up the next morning, I'm back here again. But I do that because I want to give that time to the Lord. And 12.30 last night is when God gave me this message. 12.30 last night. So my responsibility is to give you the word that God gives me. All right. Now, in verse number 21, we back there. Exodus 23, 21. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Here's the key. Provoke him not. Now, to provoke the Lord is to offend the Lord, which we have given you, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now, the way that they would obey or disobey or murmur, complain, or how they would treat one another, all that's going to provoke the Lord. And I don't think we understand what we do to one another in the church. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Everything you do in the church, it's, see, that's why I don't go around like I'm a police officer in the church. I'm not here to watch you. 
When you do something in the church, it's the Lord's. I don't fuss with you about your giving, your offering. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. So the way you handle money, the way you do money, that's why I showed you in this series, Greeting Out the Holy Spirit, there was two people named Ananias and Sapphira. They were stealing from God. They, were still, they found out in the church, they died. Bam, bam. See, they weren't stealing from man. They lied to the Holy Ghost. See, what you do in the church, you're doing against God. That's why I don't touch God's money. I don't touch God's glory. I don't touch God's people. See, you got to understand, so my job is to minister to you. I am not your God. I tell people in a minute, don't have to hide from me. I'm not your God. I'm your pastor. My responsibility is to live the life before you so you will know that the word of God is true. My job is to get the word of God from God for you. That's my responsibility, and to walk in the word before you. When you do little things under the table, nobody knows but you and God, that's between you and God. See, you, you, you're not going to hurt me. You're not, you're not doing it against me. You're doing it against God. All right, so that's how you have to act in the church. This is how, where I talk to my wife, where I treat my wife, is how I do the Lord. See, I can say, oh, I love the Lord. Okay, treat your neighbor, brother and sister, right? You see, Jesus told them in the Old Testament, as much as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. See, so where he looks at thing is how you treat people is how you treat the Lord. You can tell the Lord how much you love him, but how do you treat me? How you treat your brother and sister you see every day. Now, he said, beware of him, verse 21. Obey his voice, provoke him not, he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Talking about the Holy Ghost. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies, and I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. Then he go remind them again, my angels shall go before you and bring you into the Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Canaanite, Hivite, Jebusite, and I will cut them off. God said, look, you just get there. I'll fight your battle. I will cut them off. See, he'll work with you. Thou shalt not bow down. Now, now he's going to say to them what he don't want them to do. Do not bow down to their gods. See, the key is we, we go into... The land. We leave here, we go back out into the world. God do not want us doing what the people not saved doing. See, so that, that's, what, that's what God looking. Here it is, my son, my daughter just left church saying how much they love me. They do the same thing the people in the world do. And that's what God do not want. Here are these people, he said, thou should not bow down to their gods. Don't serve their gods. Nor do after their works. But thou shalt early overthrow them and quite break down their images. See, God don't want us living like the world. He doesn't want you depending on the world system. See, we don't, we don't think we're going to ever get rich if we don't hit a number. We, we don't think we can make it if that number don't come out. I'm trying to tell you, you can make it. Listen, God, I'm going to show you Philippians 19 in a few minutes. It, this is what happened, but my God shall supply. We, we'll say that, but we turn around and say, how, how much is that dog in the window, you know? 
Some of y'all may be a little too young to know about the dog in the window. All right, but anyway. Thou shalt not bow down to their God. Don't serve them. Don't do after their works. But thou shalt utterly overthrow them, break down their uh, images. See, that's what I'm saying. I go into the same places, same places you go. But at the same time, I have to understand that I have responsibility to God, right? All right. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's look at verse number 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And you shall serve the Lord your God. He, he said, amen. And you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall do what? He shall bless your bread. Now remember, you have to understand who the bread is, right? Right. If he's going to bless your bread and your water, that's what you got to understand. Say, he shall bless your bread and your water. Now, he has already done that in New Covenant, right? And then watch, watch what else that he said he's going to do. And I will. See, he's telling you all that he will do in the Old Covenant. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now, he did that at the cross. At the cross, he took sickness away. And that's why we have to understand, we all, that's why you got to preach the cross. Because that's what God had done for us. All right, now, that's verse 25. Now, let's go to Psalm 78. I'm just going to give you two or three of these and we're going to be back. In Psalm 78, I'm going to show you what their problem was. They tempted God. Psalm 78 and verse 17. And then we're going to go to verse 40 through 42. And then we're going to read verse 56. We're going to break it down. Verse 17. Watch what happened. Now, I, I'm not showing you all that God did for them. I'm showing you what they, how they responded. Because if I read all of Psalm 78, everything is about what God did for them. And they sin yet more. See, everything, everything God did, if, if I read Psalm 78, I, we won't get out of here. Because it's all what God had done for them, but I'm just showing you their portion. Their portion is, and they sin yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. Out of all that God would do for them, that's verse 17. See, if I go, if I go back to everything, Moses is reminding them what God had done. Everything that God had done. They forgot. They, they, they kept not his covenant. All the way down the line. I'm, I'm just going to back up, back up a, a little bit and show you that. Uh, if I go back up to at least verse number uh, uh, 9, said the children of Ephraim being armed, carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the co covenant of, of God. That's why they turned back. They didn't keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in this law. See, that's what, that's what God is saying that he don't want to happen, us to do. They refuse to walk in his law. They turn back in battle. They forgot his works. They forgot his wonders that he had showed them. Ten miracles. He showed them his mighty hand. But they forgot. Marvelous thing did he in the sight of our fathers, of their fathers, in the land of Egypt. In the field of zone, 
He divided the Red Sea and called them to pass through on dry land. He made water to stand up like a heap. See, they forgot all of that. Every, uh, what Moses is doing the same way that Paul did in Ephesians. He's telling us everything God has done for us in the first three chapters, and all God wants us to do in chapter 4, 5, 6 is just live right. Obey his covenant. Give to him as he blessing you. Not just financially, in your service to the Lord. And then love one another, respect one another. Amen. See, this, all this is the same stuff, but it just, it just came out the new covenant. But then it says, they forgot. Then verse 12, a marvelous thing did he do. And verse 13, he divided the sea, called them to pass through and made, them, made the water to stand on the heat. They want to cross on dry land. In the daytime also he led them as a cloud. All the night he had a light of fire. They didn't have no light. God light up the sky so they would have the, the light over them like the sun. At nighttime, they didn't have no night. They didn't have no light. So God was their light all night. We're talking about over a million people. 2.5, 3.5. We're talking about over a million people. But God was over them. And then the daytime when it got hot and they began to sweat, God came over them as a cloud and cooled them down. You got to see what God did for his people. And all God asked them to do was to live right. He didn't care about taking care of them. He doesn't take care about taking care of you. He watches you after he blesses you. That's what he does. He watches you after he blesses you. See, when you didn't have going through your situation, oh, you here every morning. You here on time. And oh, praise God in the Lord. Head out of my car. And God said, oh, I'm just going to watch, watch him, watch him, just watch him. I'm going to bless him again. But watch him. Every time he bless you, he watches. He bless you some more, he's going to watch. He going to see if your blessing going to change your service. He want to know are you going to keep on lifting up your hands and keep on praising him, keeping on giving him the thanksgiving. He want to watch you. God watches you. How do I know that? There was a woman who gave a penny in church, a penny. And Jesus put in the thing, said that woman gave a penny. She gave more than they all. Isn't that something how he was watching the church? God watches what you give. He watches your service. Isn't that something when God knows when you come and when you go and why you couldn't be on time? And you keep saying, oh, I love the Lord. Well, won't you be on time? See, you got to understand something. This, this is, you have the Holy Spirit in you now. You can't keep making excuses like you were when you wasn't saved. When a person not saved, they cannot do all things through Christ which strengthens them. But when you save, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. So that means you can come to church on time. You can be here for the Lord. That's all I'm saying. All these things, you, you, you can't complain about that no more. You have the Holy Spirit to help you. You got to live like you have a God inside of you. Okay. Now, just a couple more here. Now, he did everything for them. In the daytime, verse 14, he led them with a cloud. All night, he led them 
with a light of fire. He, he opened a rock, clay the rock in the wilderness when they didn't have water and gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock, caused water to run down like rivers. Can't you understand? Here these people is, three, three and a half million people, they don't have no water. And God splits some rock and got the, he opened up, listen, it was just like Niagara Falls. Can't you see God caused a Niagara Falls to come down and three and a half million began to drink and have water. They began to wash off and, and have, wash their clothes and be, you gotta, you gotta see the whole thing. See, they, it was just like a Niagara Falls. God made a river in the desert so his people can have water. There's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that he can't do for you. And all God asks of you is to live right. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you come. Represent him in the earth. When people ask you about it, you can begin to tell the people, the Lord is with me. See, I just had my physical, and my wife and I, we went out, and the man said to me, oh, boy, he looks a lot better. He looks stronger. I, you need to lose a few pounds. I'm going like, yeah, you know, I, I, I say, I'm aware of that, doc. Amen. But he said this. He said, I said, I'm working on it too. And then he said to me, he said, but you looks great. I said, the Lord. I said, my Lord, hallelujah. I, I had a chance to talk about my God. My wife would tell you, she was sitting right there. He's going, oh, yeah, I know. I'm going, I'm going, you don't know. I'm telling you how I got where I am today. Amen. See, the key is there's nothing that God cannot do for you. There's nothing that God will not do for you. Nothing God has not done for you. See? God, makes, God make, made a believe out of my daughter, Sandra. I always say this because I got this from Sandra. When you hear Sandra, she has a saying, won't he do it? That's what she tell me all the time. She called me up, she tell me a good report of what the Lord had done. Then she'll put on the end, won't he do it? You know, I like that kind of talk. I like to hear my children brag on their God because God will do it. The Bible says he'll do exceeding, abundant above all you can ask or think according to the faith that worketh in you, according to the power that worketh. See, you got to believe God, trust him. There's nothing God cannot do. There's nothing he will not do for you. There's nothing he has not done for you. Somebody say amen. Got to believe God. You got to believe God. Watch what he did. And then in verse 17, it went to them. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. Out of all this God had done, look what they did. Verse 18 said they tempted God in their hearts by asking meat for their lust. So you got to understand what they did. Here they are. God has given them water in the desert. They have you, when you're talking about $3.5 million, you're going to have to have a river. You're going to have to have a river. You're going to have to have a Niagara Falls for all those people. But, but listen what he did. And then what he did is he rained down. He already gave them bread from heaven. So these people are drinking water, eating bread, and you know they turn around and say, I wonder can this God give us meat to go with this bread? You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, it's just like, that. but God did it anyway. He did it anyway. They spake against God, the Bible says. Then they said, can he furnish a table in the wilderness? 
Not, see, see, they have got to a place they're not, not appreciating what God has done. The Bible said when they did that, he smoked the rock, that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Then they said, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? See, they, 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 they just going up. Here it is, God is taking care of them, and yet they're not being thankful. They still saying, can he do this and can he do that? Listen, why don't you begin to thank him? Amen. Come on, take a moment right now and begin to thank the Lord. And see, once they acted this way towards God, like what, can he do this and can he do this? Tempting him. See, when you, ask, when you start saying, can God do other things, that's temptation. He's going to take care of you. Let him take care of you. Be thankful. But watch what they did. Verse 21 said, therefore the Lord heard this. See, he heard their attitudes. He heard them. And the Bible said, and was angry. A fire kindled against Jacob. Anger came up against Israel because of the attitude. Why? Verse 22 says, because they believed not God. They didn't believe in God. They didn't trust in his salvation. See, God wants you to trust in his salvation. And that's who the Lord is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Say it with me. The Lord is, the Lord is my light my and my salvation. So God wants me to trust in the Lord for all of my needs. I'm not talking about some things. I'm talking about for everything. Everything you get. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, whom is no variable, neither shadow of turning. He's just not the Father of lights. He's the Father of glory. He's the Father of mercy. See, he is our Heavenly Father. So that's who we are. We have to trust him. We can't be like it was when the world. When I wasn't saved, I didn't trust God. But I'm saved now. And I got to trust God. For everything I get, I got to trust God for it. That's how you got to live now. Stop sitting around saying what you don't have. Trust God for it. Change your talk. Change your tune. You begin to say, look, I know I don't have a, a, a job that I, need, that I need right now, but I'm going to trust God for it. I don't have the money I really like to have, but I'm going to trust God for it. And then you got to start acting like it. How you think this church survives? This is how we live. We trust God for it. When we came here, that was nothing but a big lot. We didn't have the, the finances. That man said $3.5 million. I look at my wife and I told her, but we trust God. Now that man looked at me just like, man, I know you trust God, but pastor, we talking business now. But he doesn't understand, I was talking business also. Because I was, not looking at, I was not looking at my wallet. I was looking at Philippians 419. I told you we're going to have to go to it. And some of you are going to have to understand, you will never get where you have to get to until you begin to believe God. You got to believe God. My wife and I, my wife and I, I know, I know I, my, Brother Mike heard me say this one time, but he did not understand Pastor Crump at that time. My auntie, my, my first cousin here, uh, Sister Stimmage. God has tremendously blessed her and her family. I'm saying it because that's my 
French cousin. But we went to their house one day, and I told my wife, one of these days, praise God, huh? We're going to have one of these like this. Now, I said that not to put them down. But if God can do it for my first cousin, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> huh? If he can do it for her and for Mike, he can do it for us. But you got to trust him, don't you, sister? You got to trust him. You, you, this ain't no game. You got to trust God. If you're going to move up in your lifestyle, you're going to have to trust God for it. You can't keep around here complaining about somebody, complaining about what they got and complaining. That's not going to get you there. You're going to have to get up on your faith, stand up before your God, and say, I am what I am by the grace of God. If my God owns everything, I just got to trust God for it. Start walking in his covenant. Start quoting his word. Philippians 4, 19. Let's, let's, let's put it on the screen. This is what Paul said to the church. But my God. See, you got to put that in your Bible. You got to get that in your spirit. Like I told you, now the next teaching, we're going to go in deep water. So I'm hoping you're here. Start next Sunday, we're going in the deep water. Because you're going to have, I, we, I'm telling you right now, we're going to have to get off the bank. Amen. Next week, next week we get off the bank. See, that, uh, see don't be no, I ain't talking about no, I'm not talking about no filibuster, and I'm talking about no propaganda. I'm not talking about all this other stuff. We just talk, 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 nothing happened. I ain't talking about no talk. You could, I, I had a, I, I dreamed about my wife when I met my wife. That came back to me last night when I was meditating. When I met my wife, my wife was in water deeper than she could swim. We was in a park. She know where we were. Down at your lake. We was in a park. And when we was in the park, we was all out in the wade in the water. I had not even met my wife. I seen her. I was trying to get close to her. <laughs> she was trying to get further away from me. And I never forget that, but I kept on wading out. And I know something was wrong because I'm six feet three. And I won't say how tall she is, but I know she was in water above her head. So she was bagging up. Because, see, I started easing out a little bit, Brother Ball, you know, Mr. Ball. I'm eating out a little close to her because I'm trying to talk to her in the water. But she kept bagging up from me in the water. And I know you keep bagging up. I'm seeing her going down to here. And she's still bagging up. And I'm trying to tell her, hey, I want to talk to you. Because I see I don't want her to go any further. So I started bagging up. But I noticed I turned around and looked back out there. She was a little too far. I'm going, I got to save her. And I said, please don't run. Please, I'm, I'm just, well, just give me your hand. That's all I said. Give me your hand. I said, give me your, because I know I can see what she has. She can't get out of it. She, uh, she had went as far as she can go. And I, I, am I lying? I grabbed her by the hand. I just take my hand, and I walked her back. So the water going down, down, down. When it got down, she was okay. She said, "Okay, now take my hand." Come on. But it, it, it didn't matter. I know what I had to do that day. My, I, my wife was in a danger. I saw her in a danger. I thought about it last night. But God allowed me to get to her. 
Amen. Amen. See, God has done a lot of things. Philippians 4.19 once again said, but my God shall supply. So you have to understand ministry. In ministry, there's a need, and then there's a supply. In the law, you have demand. In the ministry, in, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you have supply. See, the, see, under the law, the law can demand, but it cannot supply. In, under, the, under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can supply. So that's the whole difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant can tell you all this stuff, but it cannot supply your need because it did not have the Spirit. In the new covenant, the new covenant, but my God shall supply. That's the new covenant. And then he says, all your need. So his ministry, his ministry is to supply all your need. But then he told you, not according to your wallet. He said, according to his riches. Now his riches is his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding. So you have to understand, he, he supply all of your need, but it's according to his word. So that's why next week are we going to go into deep water. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start another series next week, and it's going to launch us into the deep water. That's what I got a thing in my, in my, in my bathroom, my study, I call it, in my, in my bedroom. I got on my little table now, I got deep, call it to deep. Now, that's all I'm meditating on, because that's why I'm saying with the Holy Spirit, I want him to take me and this ministry in the deep water. But we have to understand, we have to go from just believing to trusting. Come on, say, I got to go from believing to trusting. Now, the reason God gave you faith so you can believe, but you, gotta, you just can't just stay there. You got to trust now. And you got to understand something. You got to trust God. You, when you're going to go to places that you haven't been before, you got to trust God. Okay. Now, that's, that's, that's where we're going to be going. So we are seeing the same process in the Old Covenant that we saw in the New Covenant. Now, let's go to the book of Numbers. I'm going to get into my message just a minute. I just got to lay some groundwork. In the book of Numbers, chapter 10, I'm showing you what Israel did. Israel provoked God. They tempted God. We're going to do Hebrew, uh, Numbers 14, verse 1 through 10. Then I'm going to go to Hebrew 3. You want to write that down? Hebrew 3, 14 through 19. Numbers 14, 1 through 10. And then we're going to go back to Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. We're showing you how Israel, Israel rebelled against God. The more God did for them, the more they rebelled against God. See, God watches us. Like I told you, when God blesses you, he watches you. He watches your attitude. He watches and see how much you change. He, see, he wants to see how... how, how how diligent you are when you didn't have to, to when he blesses you. That's what God watches. When you was walking, didn't have a car. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord, saints. And then God blesses you. Then all of a sudden, I don't hear that praise the Lord no more. See, God wants you to, he wants you to praise him more now. Amen. 
I got, a, I, got a, I got a mother over there. I'm hoping I can put that mic in her hand the first chance I get because she got to tell her own testimony. Amen? Amen. But see, God just keep on doing things for you that nobody know but you. Amen. Nobody know but you. Here we go. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. Are you enjoying the word? Yeah, Numbers chapter 14. We're seeing what, what happened to Israel because we got to understand that now is our time. Amen. Numbers chapter number 14. In verse 1 it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried and, and the people wept that night. That night. Something had just happened, right? Because they had went into the promised land and now it, it didn't work. So now they come back, huh? Yeah, they won the promised land, but then they saw the giants of the promised land, and, and they, believed, they, they had a bad report. And number th chapter 13 is, a, is that chapter, but I'm starting chapter 14. So now, now God, God is going to do something. He had already sent the spies into the land, chapter number 13, and they brought back a bad report. And verse, let's go back to Numbers 13, 33. We'll just start there. And Numbers chapter 13, verse 33 says, and there were giants in the land. See, these people went there and they had a bad report. But here, here's the people coming back telling them what was going on. In Numbers chapter uh, 13, do verse 32. Back up now one verse. And we'll just bring you right into the, new, into the chapter 14. In chapter, in chapter 13, verse 32 says, And they brought an evil report. Now here these people went over into the land and they had sent them over one from every tribe, 12 men, and their job was to see the land and see what God said was true. You hear me real good. You got to understand that there are other things in the world that God don't want you to see. That is not your focus. What you want to do is see, is, there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible that, that ain't yours. Amen. But he wanted you to see in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 what he had done for you. Now there's some other stuff, just like it is in the world, just like when I go into the store. There's, there's, I'm, I'm, I told my wife, I said, I can go in the store and get anything I want pretty much five minutes, 10 minutes max. Because I already know what I want. I'm going right to that line. I'm looking for that. If they ain't got that, I'm coming back out so they ain't got it. See, it's going to take some, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to help some of y'all. <laughs> now, I, I'm not talking against my wife. I know my wife, my wife, when she going to the store, my wife like to shop. And I understand that. So I give her, I give her twice as much time that I give myself. But it's going to probably be four times. Because I know my wife's going to shop. She's going to touch everything in that aisle. They just love to shop. And I have to respect that because that's how they release. You got to understand something. They, they release tension and pressure and strife are different than we, we do. So sh shopping is how they get theirs out. Let me, let me move on. <laughs> I think my wife got her, I think Amazon came here because of my wife. Let me put that up. 
They say, I'd rather just move closer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but let's move on. Now, in chapter 13, we're going to see the bad report. And verse number 32 says, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Now, you got to understand how they did it. Which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, the land, though we have gone to search it, watch this. It's a land that eat up the inhabitants. They're not telling you the good of the land. See, so the key you got to understand, when you go to a church, it doesn't mean that maybe some thing that you, would, you wouldn't do it that way. See, I was assistant pastor for three and a half years, and that's what God said to me. He says, you are here to see what I want you to see. There are some things I'm not going to allow you to do at the church when you're pastoring. But you look at things that you can do that will help the church and bless the church, but don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I would, I would go, okay, okay, I won't do that. won't do that. And that's how you have to be when you go to school, when you go to shopping. When, there are some things in the store you're not to bother. You're not there to buy everything in the store. And you're not to complain about everything in the store. Just go get what you're supposed to get. All right. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though we have gone to search it, is a land that eat up the inhabitants thereof. They're only talking to negative. All the people we saw in it are men of great statures. There were giants in it. See, everything they're talking about is to put fear in the people. They never saw we saw the grapes. See, you only had two people who came back and said, but man, the grapes. Did you see them grapes? This man here said, did you see the giants? So this is why it was an evil report. There were giants, the son of Anak, which, which come up of the giants. In our sight, they were like, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. They, I mean, say that they are so tall and big, we just like grass. See, that put fear in the people. And then chapter 14 said, now all the congregation lifted their voices and cried and the people wept that night. It, but if you look at what God told them to do, it's a totally different, different thing. In chapter, in chapter 13, verse 1, chapter, go to chapter 13, verse 1. Let me show you something. Their job was to go into the land and spy out the land. Let's, let's just, just start at verse 17. Go to, go, to, go to chapter 13, verse 17. I'm going to miss all that too much. So now Moses is going to send them spy. Now watch what their responsibility was. And Moses sent them, there it is, in verse 17, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, get up into the southward, go into the mountain and see the land. What it is. Go see what it is. Go do what? See. Go see what it is. And then, and then in verse number 18 says, and the people that dwell in the land, go see what it is. Will they be strong or weak? Few or many. He's talking about their army, right? right? Then it says, and what the land is, everything was about the land. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether the land is good or bad. You're looking at the land. They came back and said, yeah, but the giants. They supposed to told them about the land. What the land is that they dwell in, whether it was good or bad, 
and what cities there be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether the land is fat, lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and you be good courage and bring the fruit of the land. Now the, now the time was great was at hand. So now they went. And what did they do when they got back? And the giants ain't said nothing about no land. So there was a bad report. And that's what you got to understand when you go sit in a ministry. That's why next week uh, I'm going to begin to teach you some things. Because my job is not to tell you all the bad news. My job is to preach Christ. See, a lot of times we won't, we won't, why don't we have strange folks to come in? Strange folks not going to do nothing but get up here and talk about all the bad news. I'm not here to talk about bad news. I'm here to teach you the Bible. That's the good news right here. All right, now, that was, that was Numbers chapter 14 is where we're going. In Numbers chapter 14. Now, once they got the bad news, verse 1, that's what we finally got to. Number 14, 1. And all the congregation lifted their voice and they cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Moses now. And against Aaron. They hadn't done nothing. And the whole congregation said to, the, said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we died in the wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us up out of the, uh, uh, unto this land to fall by the sword and, and our wives and our children should be a prey? Was it not better we return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. How many know who their captain is? Finally got it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephone, which was of them that searched the land, rent their clothes and spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land, you look at the giants, but the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. It's a good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he'll bring us into this land. Look how they're talking. If the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land. Can somebody say amen? amen. If you found favor with God, God will bring you into it. That's what he's talking about. And they had, they had found favor. If he delight in us, he'll bring us into this land, and he'll give it to us, a land with flowing with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Now that don't mean they're going to eat the people up. That means the people is going to work for them. Bread means provision. Say it. Bread means, yeah, they're going to use the people to work the land. He says, don't rebel against the Lord. These people are going to be bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Somebody said the Lord is with us. But all the congregation made stone them with stone. Isn't that something? And when that happened, 
the glory of the Lord appeared. That angel stepped in there. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it err, be erred that they believe me not? How long before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed them among them. How long are it going to be for these people to believe me? What do I have to do? Can't you see what God wanted? He wanted his people to live for him. He wanted his people to believe in him. Then he says, move out the way, Moses. I know what I'm going to do with this guy. I will smite them with pestilence. He's talking about his own people now. I'm going to smite them with pestilence, and I'm going to disinherit them. I know they are my inheritance, but I'm going to disinherit them. <laughs> and I'm going to make of you, Moses, a great nation, mightier than they are. Can't you see what happened when God's people didn't believe in him? So why do we have Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4? Showing everybody what God has done for you. So when you're over here living for God, walking for God, talking for God, doing the things you're supposed to do, you're able to convince other folks to be a part of your ministry. You're able to provoke, you're able to cause other folks to want to be a part of you. People don't want, if you're always talking negative about your God, what your God can't do, who's going to join up with that? Well, you got the church talking about what God's doing, what God has done. That's how it has to be. When you go get a job, you don't act like the person that over here because he, I don't even know if they're hiring. And if they're hiring, they probably ain't going to hire me. And you know what I say? Probably not. <laughs> that's not how I think. I believe if they got one job, I'm going to get it. That's how you have to, that's how you got to think. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. That's how you got to think. If they're hiring, they're going to hire me. What do I supposed to say to a person that's going to hire? What do I supposed to say to him? Anybody know the answer? I will make your company better. I'm trying to tell you what to say. You got to understand, if somebody's hired, they're going to ask, why should I hire you? Because I can make your company better. As a matter of fact, your company will grow if I'm a part of it. See, you got to understand how to talk to people. Do you know what happened when you go study Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you study those three people? Everything they did, everywhere they went, it was better. Everywhere. When Isaac went to the land, it was better. They looked at him and said to Joseph, everything we got has prospered since you've been here. That's how you're supposed to think. You hire me, your company going to be better. As a matter of fact, it's going to be better than it ever has been. Because I'm going to be here. Somebody say amen. All right, now let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. Now, that's why Paul, this is why Paul is going to talk to the Hebrews, because the Hebrews were the children of the Old Testament Hebrews. 
so they understand what Paul was saying. That's why the letter to the Corinthians is that same kind of letter to the children of Israel. So you have to understand, most of this was written to them, but we was the one who was able to get it through grace. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, this is what Paul said to the children of Israel. We are made partakers of Christ. Hebrews 3.14, I'm sorry. Hebrews 3.14. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now, this word confidence is their faith. That's why I said to you last week, you must understand where you will know the series I'm going to get because the word of faith is not to save you. The word of faith message was not to save you. The word of faith message was to help you, teach you how to live. That's why anybody teach the word. We used to be word of faith teaching here. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It was not to save you. Faith is so you believe God. And so when I go show you my series that I'm coming into next week, I'm going to show you the three dimensions. And the word of faith teaching, just sometimes what you need to do is just not believe me. Just say, how can I be saved at the word of faith church? How can I receive the Holy Spirit at the word of faith church? They're going to tell you, you're going to have to ask. You get everything by asking. And when you act, you got to believe you receive. That's how you're going to get the Holy Spirit at the Word of Faith Church. You got to ask. I'm not here to put that down, but that's the teaching they have out of Romans 10, 9, and 10. And that's not how God intended you to have. See, the, key, the number one ministry in the, in the New Covenant is the Word of Truth. And I'm going to show you, starting next week, the word of truth is how you get the word of faith. The word of truth is the word of God. And so then faith come by, put Romans 10, 17. See, some of y'all don't know, that's why I'm trying to teach it. You know, a lot of time I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't go into that because people are going to think, I'm, I, Lord, show me. So look, you know you got to teach it. Amen. And people don't understand, when, you gotta, when, when Paul was given the gospel grace, he had to teach grace. Amen. See, Romans 10, 17, read what it says real good. So then faith cometh. How do you get faith? By hearing what? The word well, then faith cannot be the word of God. Now, it does not mean that it's not the word of God for us, God's word. But it's not the same as that word in there, the word of God. Now, let's leave that. That's all I want to see right now. So then faith cometh. If faith cometh, how does it come? By you hearing the word of God. Wait a minute. Then I need to find out what the word of God is. You'll be here next Sunday. You'll be here next Sunday. Because if you don't know what the word of God is, then you don't know what you're getting. So you can go to a church and I can just preach faith, 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 but how are you going to be saved? How did I get faith? 
I had to hear the word of God, so I got about to find out what the word of God is. See, it's the word of God that saved you. <laughs> ah, boy. So that got you thinking, didn't it? Right. I hope you think enough to be here next Sunday. Because I'm not going to give you any more than that, okay? All right. But if you get faith by hearing the word of God, then you need to find out what the word of God is. That's coming next Sunday. Just give you a little bit. All right. Now, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, right? Showing you Israel rebellion. Then I'm going to get, see, my next part of this, the next service, I'm going to teach why do I need the Holy Spirit to close us out. I'm still teaching the ministry of the Holy Spirit, though. All right. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. Are you there? We are made partake of the Christ. Watch this. If we hold the beginning of our faith, the beginning of our faith, that was the Jews, not us. They had to hold on to their faith until the end. See, they knew back in Matthew 24, he that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. So they had to hold on to their faith to the end of the Old Testament. See, the Apostle Paul gave them the New Covenant. And their end had to be when Jesus returned. Now we are in the body of Christ and we still talk about Jesus returning. I told you before, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way to the New Covenant, it was about Jesus. Uh, put a scripture up there, please. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Once you come to the cross, God made that same Jesus, Acts 2.36, whom you crucified. Now he's Lord and Christ. And what people are still trying to teach you in the new covenant is Jesus. I know you may not understand, but you keep coming. Next week, I'm gonna, we're going to get in the deep water. I, I want to see Isaiah 9 and 6 first. Isaiah 9 and 6, watch what it says. Unto us a child is born, Jesus. And he was called Jesus because that's the Father's name. That's why I told you not long ago, one of the teachings I showed you, in the end of the book of Revelation, they had on their foreheads the name Jesus because that's how they were sealed, S-E-A-L-E-D. They had Jesus in their foreheads. But you are not under the ministry of Jesus You are under the ministry of Christ. And see, that's the whole thing that people go, you got to renew your mind. It does not, listen, Jesus was God in the flesh. Let me say it again. Jesus was God in the flesh. That's the word of life. You're not under the word of life ministry. That's the Jesus you can handle, you can touch, you can feel. First John 1 and 1. We're not going to this stuff today. We, we, next week. 
For unless a child is born, a child, child, flesh, the word was made flesh. Unless a child is born, but a son was given. So we have a child on this side who's going to grow into a man and become 33 years old. We're going to have a son on this side who have no genealogy. He is was with the Father from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. But the Word is going to become flesh for how long? 33 and a half years. So the Word is not flesh no more. But they were under that ministry before the cross. They had to believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. That's how they would say. But that's not your ministry. Your ministry, you got to believe that Christ died for your sins. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. Your ministry is about Christ and him crucified. Yeah. All right, that's what next week about. Just give you a little. So you see those two words, Isaiah 9 and 6. Under us a child is born over here. That's why the Catholic religion worship Jesus. You go into the St. Joe Hospital, they have a little child and a daddy Joseph. The child Jesus. He's not, he was a child, but he grew into becoming a man. But he had to die. Over here, it's manifestation. That's not where you're at no more. Manifestation's gone. You are now in revelation. And that's why you need me. You need somebody who can teach you the word of God. Somebody say amen. Unto us, Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us what? A child is born unto us. A Over here, a son is given. God gave his son, Christ. Mary bore Jesus, her son. So if I go to, so I can find it for me, we'll close out with that. If you read to me Matthew 1 or Luke 1, you will see Mary, when Jesus was born, it will say she brought forth Son. Why is this so important? Because it's the revelation of the first people in your Bible. Do you know the first people in your Bible? Some of y'all are still looking. Just open up Genesis chapter 1. You'll find it. It's not hot. It was Adam and Eve. If you got to understand, to understand Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had two sons. And you got to understand, the pattern from Genesis all the way down is about two sons. It's about Eve's son and God's son. That's enough. Anybody find that one verse? Matthew chapter 1, verse what? 21 through 25. Let's do it. That's why when you teach, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to know the word from Genesis Revelation to teach it. If you don't, you don't know it. Just sit down and let me do it. <laughs>
Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost come, he shall teach you. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He, he shall save his people. Wasn't talking about you. He didn't come to save you. He come to save his people. But there was somebody who God going to make sure going to be in him who going to save you. It does not say, listen, Christ died for all men. Jesus died for his people. He shall save his people from their sin. I did not come for you. I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman asked for the bread that fell on the master's table. He said, yeah, I know, but I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. I didn't come to you. I came to save my people. And his people killed him. So you can have bread. You got to see what happened. His people put him on the cross and said, I don't know him. And God said, that's okay. It's okay you kill my son. I'm going to feed the dogs. The dogs will eat of the crumbs that fall from their master table. You don't want my son? I'll give him to the heathen. I'll give him to the dog. And that's why the gospel, the first, first Timothy 3.16, said the gospel is preached to the Gentiles. They despise God's word. I was waiting on her son. That's what I'm waiting on in Matthew 1. Her son. I want one verse. Verse number 25, just want one verse, right? One verse, that's all I need. One verse, I'm done. And he knew her not till she brought forth her, her son. Jesus was her son. That's why you in the Catholic Church, you got to understand what they're teaching you. They teach you about Jesus, Mary's son. But in this church, we're not teaching you about Mary's son, Mary baby. That's why you hear a lot of Baptist preaching about Mary baby. <laughs> We, this ain't not a made baby. <laughs> My time is up. I thank you for yours. Let's get a Lord a great day hand for his words. Come on now. Come on now. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.